Tonight on Throwback Thursday, as Tune FM celebrates 50 years, 1984. A big year of change for Australia as we introduce the Medicare scheme, advance Australia Fair as the new national anthem, and two different forms of currency, as well as the assassination of former Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. Good evening. Indira Gandhi, ruler of the world's largest democracy, died today, shot down by two of her own bodyguards. This is Throwback Thursday 1984 as Tune FM celebrates 50 years. It certainly is, and you're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. A pleasure to be with you. My name is Jake, and as per usual, we're going to be looking at some significant events from the year 1984 this week as we continue through Tune's 50 Years of History. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that you maybe take for granted. You almost certainly have one of these cards in your wallet, and it's gotten you out of a medical hitch or two in the past. Medicare introduced by the Hawke government in 1984, taking uh, taking uh, authority and precedence as of the 1st of February that year. We're going to be talking about a few more minor but still significant and notable changes to Australia, including a new national anthem in 1984 and two different uh forms of currency uh, that were introduced in 1984 as well. And we're going to finish it off by talking about the assassination of former Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, who was assassinated on the 31st of October 1984. But we will get right underway talking a little bit about Medicare. If you don't know what it is, it's our publicly funded universal healthcare insurance scheme, uh, which we are very, very lucky to have. And if you have ever been to America, and particularly if you've been in a, a bit of a health situation in America, you will be able to testify to that. The way that uh, healthcare works, we have Medicare as our main source of payment of healthcare. It will either partially or fully cover the cost of most of your primary healthcare services for any eligible citizens, residents, and as well as some visitors. You'll either be entitled to a rebate for your treatment if you do pay some of uh, some or all of what you owe up front, you'll be entitled to a rebate. Or in some cases, you can also uh, be bulk billed and therefore obtain uh, free treatment in uh, some places, particularly in state public hospitals. Um, so these this all came into place in 1984. Uh, so to go into a little bit of the, the background behind it, it was all uh, under the, the Hawke government. Uh, and basically, it all dated back to a referendum back in 1946, uh, which, get, which they had a referendum to uh, allow basically certain, um, certain services to be provided to uh, student and family allowances and those sorts of things. Um, so that empowered the Commonwealth to provide benefits under the Medicare scheme. Um, now, prior to having Medicare and Medibank, as it was then called, um, mostly, mostly in Australia, we had uh, friendly societies providing uh, most of our health insurance. So essentially, um, basically a similar thing to your private uh, health insurance. You, needed, you need to join a, a mutual organization or benefit society in order to have it, generally, which will cost you fees uh, and having to be covered by private health insurance plans, which you are still able to do today, but Medicare does cover you in, uh, in, in that case. 
So uh, Medibank came into existence actually in 1975 under the Whitlam uh, Labor government, trying to put an end to that uh, two-tier system of basically you either have health insurance or you basically don't. Um, there was the Menzies Liberal government, government had uh, wound back the PBS, which we have today, the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme. That basically means that the government will um, also pay for certain of your, your medications, uh, particularly in, in the instance where medications or medical treatments are particularly expensive. Um, and so that had been wound back. So the Whitlam government brought that back in and established Medibank, uh, and then that would become Medicare under the Hawke Labor government in 1984. Uh, essentially, the way that it comes in is through the Medicare levy. That's the way that they get the money to be able to do that. Basically, it is funded by an income tax surcharge. It is about 2% of your taxable income. Uh, but then the revenue that you actually raise uh, falls far short of funding the entirety of Medicare expenditure. So any shortfall is paid for out of the government's actual expenditure. So it is you are still paying for it just out of your taxable income. And uh, also the government does pitch in a little bit there as well. So without it, what would it be like? What would we do without Medicare? Because we haven't ever, uh, most of us have never really lived in a, a world without Medicare, or at least we haven't for a very, very long time. So what would we do without Medicare? Do we really need it? Well, to give you an idea, uh, Australia's total health expenditure per capita, the amount that we spend on health-related issues per capita per year uh, in 2007 was approaching about $3,500. So it, the average person would spend just under $3,500 in a year on uh, your health-related issues. In the United States, who do not have public health care, they rely on private health care, you either have health care or you don't, they spent over $7,000 per person on their total health expenditure uh, in the year 2007. So absolutely massive difference in terms of the amount that you have to spend just to be medicated, to be able to go to the hospital, to be able to call an ambulance, to be able to get medications that might be a little bit outside of your price range, to be able to visit doctors and specialist doctors in particular, which can be very, very expensive. So Medicare came into place in 1984. There's been a lot of different changes since. Um, most recently, of course, and quite famously, the Medi-Scare campaign was a big part of the 2016 federal election, and it is, it is still a big um, scare today about whether a liberal government has plans to privatize Medicare, um, which would essentially make it redundant because it would not be uh, funded out of public uh, funds. It would, and it would probably not be accessible as whoever owned it would be looking to uh, make money out of it, I would imagine. Otherwise, it's running at a loss. So it, uh, it basically is, we, we wouldn't be able to do anything without it, really. Um, so in terms of operation, your Medicare card, um, that entitles you, if you've got a Medicare card, that entitles you, in case you didn't know this, uh, under the scheme to use your Medicare number to make a claim on most of your doctor visits, your hospital visits in particular, uh, some medications and medical treatments as well, uh, basically entitling you either to you pay up front and then get a rebate from the government or you don't have to pay at all and the government covers that cost. Isn't that fantastic? 
Uh, listen up, America. You should be listening to Throwback Thursday. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. We're going to be back very soon where we're going to talk about uh, three different things that came into being that we might take for granted in Australia in 1984 very shortly. But that is just after this song break. Uh, coming up in this song break is Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart.
Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart as we continue to celebrate 50 years of Tune FM here on 106.9. We're going to keep going through the year 1984. Now, there are three things that came into being in Australia in 1984 that you probably take for granted today. The first of which we'll talk for uh, for a little while is Advance Australia Fair. Now, it was actually written in 1878, but it was adopted as our national anthem in 1984. Uh, The song itself was created by a Scottish-born composer by the name of Peter Dodds McCormick, and it was first performed in 1878 and sung in Australia as a bit of a patriotic song, like we might sing Waltzing Matilda or um, I Am, You Are, We Are Australians. Um, And it would eventually replace God Save the Queen as our official, official national anthem in 1984. It took them a while to do that. The plebiscite to choose the national song took place under the Fraser government in 1977, but it wasn't until 1984 that a new national anthem would actually uh, be implemented. Now, the interesting thing about Advance Australia Fair is that it's gone through a lot of changes. Even the lyrics that we know today uh, have been changed many, many, many times uh, over since the original lyrics were written in 1879. One of those changes was with the intent of increasing the anthem's inclusiveness and gender neutrality. The original uh, opening line was Australia's sons, let us rejoice. So that was uh, changed for the purpose of making it not seemingly just applying to men. Uh, some other minor changes have uh, signif- have uh, changed the song, not quite so significantly, just changes in uh, phrasing and that sort of thing, That things that made more sense as language evolved. The original song was actually four verses long. Um, if you can find the lyrics to the uh, mysterious, there's actually three verses that you've probably never heard before. The The second verse that we occasionally use today was adopted much later in uh, the Federation version in 1901. Uh, but the original 1879 version had four verses, the first one which we know well, and then three others which we've probably, most of us, never even heard before. Uh, but for its adoption as the national anthem, the song was cut from those four verses back to the two that we know today. And the second one, obviously, we only uh, use on very, very special occasions. Um, The second, third, and fourth verses um, were all dropped, and the last time they were sung was well before we even became a country uh, after Federation in 1901. But it still faces criticism today. The song's been criticised for failing to represent or acknowledge Australia's Indigenous peoples and the country's colonial history. It's been accused of celebrating British colonisation and perpetuating the concept of terra nullius. Um, the second line of the anthem, For We Are for we are Young and Free, is also criticised for ignoring the long history of Indigenous Australians who have inhabited Australia for at least 60,000 years. So as a matter of fact, we are not very young at all. Uh, an Australian author and academic Christopher Kellen is also a uh, critic of the the anthem. He's argued that the repetition of the word fair in the chorus um, celebrates the civilizing mission of European colonists. There's also been public debate in recent years. In 2015, Aboriginal Australian soprano Deborah Cheatham declined an, information, an invitation sorry, to sing the anthem at the AFL Grand Final after the AFL turned down her request to replace the words for we are young and free with in peace and harmony. Um, And she is an advocate for for those lyrics to be changed. There are a number of politicians who are advocates uh, for it to be changed. Of course, we've had a number of uh, famous um, 
famous football players in the NRL and the state of origin and that sort of thing, as well as in the Indigenous versus New Zealand All-Stars clash who um, elected not to sing the anthem. Um, so it, it is critically, uh, rather critically received at the moment. Um, there are a number of calls at the moment to change lyrics or to change the song entirely. Um, but it is still our national anthem as of today, and it has been since the Hawke government in 1984 who implemented it uh, as the national anthem after it had been chosen in a plebiscite in 1977. So uh, we celebrate that in our look back at 1984 today, and I'm going to have a talk about two other th things that you might take for granted in Australia that were introduced in 1984. The first is your $1 coin. It, is, uh, it was introduced in 1984, replacing our $1 note. Uh, there had been plans to introduce a dollar coin since the mid-1970s, uh, but it didn't take place until 1984. There's been three different portraits of Queen Elizabeth II that have featured on uh, the obverse side, while the coin also has featured uh, five kangaroos very, ever since its first design by Stuart Devlin, who was actually the guy who uh, designed all of Australia's first decimal coins when they came into circulation back in 1966. Um, the $1 coin was only issued in sets in 1987, 1989, 1990, 1991, 1992, and in 2012. No other $1 with any mint mark was ever released for circulation. So you won't find any other year. Uh, any, do any dollars found with such a mark uh, comes for a card. Uh, the $1 and $2 coins are, um, did you know, this is, this is an interesting fact I should uh, put, I should put uh, before I say this, that your $1 and $2 coins are only legal tender up to the sum not exceeding 10 times the value, face value of the coin concerned. So technically, they do not have to uh, take $2 coins as legal tender if you are paying more than $20. They don't have to take $1 coins as legal tender if you're paying more than $10. But I, I think that, you know, if you're paying for something that's 12 bucks, I don't think anybody's going to be too uh, fussed over it. That's just a, a law that uh, allows people to say no if you try to pay for a car in $1 coins or something like that. Um, so the $1 coin coming into play, coming into our um, currency, uh, taking the place of the uh, one dollar note in 1984. And speaking of currency, the other thing that came into into place in 1984 was the one hundred dollar note. It was first issued as a paper note back in 1984. There have now been three different versions. The first was a light turquoise blue paper note, which went from its inception in 1984 till 1996. Then our green polymer note came into play, and that obviously was uh, used from 1996 until very, very recently when the redesign uh, with the added security features and the, the change to the design uh, happened uh, in 2020, actually, this year. Um, but it is it has been reported that it may not be around for much longer. Australia may have plans to abolish the $100 note, to close down loopholes used by the black market and the black economy. The Reserve Bank of Australia has said that there are no plans just yet to abolish the $100 note, but it is thought that there may be plans in the future. Uh, for those who are wondering, it does feature a por 
portraits of the soprano Dame Nellie Melba, who was a very famous Australian uh, singer in the early 20th century, and engineer and First World War General Sir John Monash, who uh, is the namesake of some places you might know, such as Monash University. Uh, they, they have their portraits on uh, the $100 note, just in case you were wondering. But they haven't always. The original paper version, the turquoise blue version, had Sir Douglas Mawson and John Tebbett as the two who were on uh, the note. But those are some changes to the world, to the Australia as we know it, uh, that, had take, that took place in 1984 under the Hawke government. Something that we take for granted today, having a $100 note or uh, Advance Australia Fair as our national anthem, $1 coins um, before 1984 were not a thing. There you go. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. When we come back, we're going to be talking about something overseas. We're going to be talking about the assassination of Indira Gandhi uh, in 1984. So don't go anywhere. That is coming up right after this song break. And in this song break, we are going to be hearing a little bit of uh, what have we got? to play from 1984. Let's go with Steve Perry and Oshery. Oh, 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 
Steve Perry with Oshiri. You're listening to Throwback Thursday on 106.9 Tune FM, where we're going to start our concluding section talking about uh, former Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. She was an Indian politician, a very central figure of the Indian National Congress, the first and to date only female Prime Minister of India. She was the daughter of uh, Jawaharlal Nehru, who was actually the first Prime Minister of India. She would serve as Prime Minister from January 1966 to March 1977, and again from January 1980 until uh, what we're going to be talking about her today, her assassination in October 1984. That makes her the second longest serving Indian Prime Minister after her father. Uh, during her time as Prime Minister, uh, she did a lot of things. She was known for her political intransigency and uh, her centralization of power. She is uh, renowned for going to war with Pakistan, which was uh, rather uh, a controversial and uh, unfortunate period of time in Indian history. Uh, she was a great supporter of the independence movement, which you might know about. There was a, a great deal of uh, civil conflict in, in India in the 20th century um, over, the, over different uh, religious and cultural groups. And as well as the uh, War of Independence in East Pakistan, um, which resulted in the cre creation of uh, Bangladesh as a country. Uh, so quite a controversial prime minister indeed, uh, but voted as one of the world's 100 most powerful women who defined the last century and was named Woman of the Millennium uh, in an online poll in 1999. Uh, she has she is so she's divisive she is certainly a prime minister who some see as a, an iconic figure and who some saw as uh, very controversial indeed but uh, in 1984 on the 31st of October she was assassinated outside of her residence in New Delhi she was actually killed by her two body bodyguards who were uh, Sikh individuals uh, in the aftermath of what was called Operation Blue Star, which was a military action carried out by the Indian military between the 1st and 8th of June 1984, which was ordered by Indira Gandhi to remove the Sikh leader Janail Singh Bindranwale and his armed followers from the buildings of Harmandir Sahib complex in Punjab. Uh, the collateral damage actually resulted in the death of many pilgrims, as well as damage to uh, a lot of his, uh, religious uh, and historically significant sites, which was criticized by Sikhs and their supporters both inside and outside of India. So after that, there was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of people calling uh, for Gandhi to either stand down or be removed. And on the 31st of October at about 9.20 a.m., she was on her way to be interviewed by a British actor who was filming a documentary about her for Irish television. Uh, she passed by a gate outside of her residence and the two bodyguards opened fire, uh, one using his uh, sidearm, his revolver, and uh, the other using a submachine gun. Uh, she was declared uh dead. She had been fired upon 33 times, 30 of those rounds uh, hitting. Uh, she was uh, operated on with a great deal of urgency, but declared dead at 2.20 p.m. that afternoon. Uh, over the next four days, it would trigger a lot of retaliatory violence. Um, thousands of Sikhs uh, being killed, unfortunately, in retaliatory, retaliatory violence uh, against the assassination. 
so a very dark day in India's history, uh, certainly uh, with the, the cultural divide and the religious divide between Sikhs and, and other Indians, certainly becoming even wider uh, by that assassination, which was done in protest. Uh, that is going to draw to a close uh, Throwback Thursday for this week. Hopefully, uh, we will have someone to join us next week as we move on to 1985. It'll be at the same time. Uh, make sure you join join us. Uh, let us know in on our Facebook page what music you'd like to hear. I uh, love playing songs from the 80s. It was a great decade for music. So make sure you let us know what you want to hear on Throwback Thursday next week. So once again, 5 o'clock Thursday night next week. We're moving on to 1985. In the meantime, we're going to go back to the music here on Tune FM. I hope you're having a wonderful day.